So the beginning of John's gospel is unlike the beginnings of the other gospels. It takes us back to the beginning. Well, actually to before the beginning. In the beginning was the word, John writes, and the word was with God and the word was God. John is talking about the second person of the Trinity, the very son of God. And so he's talking about before time began. He's talking about when there was only God. But then John moves on quickly to talk about how the, the son of God, Jesus, took on human flesh, became one of us, that he dwelt with us. And then he goes on to talk about John the baptizer, sent from God himself, sent from God to be the forerunner of the Messiah, the one who had come to announce the beginning of Jesus' ministry, to point out Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he moves on to talk about how Jesus began his ministry and began to gather his own disciples, some of whom, well, the first of whom actually were John's disciples too. In the gospel reading that we're looking at today, we see Jesus calling his next two disciples. He already had four disciples. And I'd especially like to focus on three words that, that Philip speaks to his friend and also Jesus' future disciple, namely Nathaniel. So again, let's just listen to those first few verses of the passage. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. So, follow me. Now, those weren't the words that, that we're going to focus on today, but they're important words nonetheless. This is what Jesus told Philip in his call to be one of his disciples, one of his students, one of his devoted followers. But this call that wasn't coming out of the blue. Notice that Philip was also from Bethsaida, the, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Andrew and Peter were already disciples of John the baptizer, and most likely Philip was too. And so he had already heard John the baptizer tell his disciples about Jesus, to tell them, this is he, this is the one of whom scriptures have written, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then obviously Philip obeyed this call of Jesus to be his disciple, because what does he do? Well, it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, it's also assumed that Nathanael was already a disciple of John the baptizer, but, but it seems he wasn't quite as ready to accept the fact that, that this Jesus guy was the promised Savior, the, the promised Messiah. He wasn't ready to believe, that is. Why? Why the reluctance? Well, Nathaniel stumbled over part of what Philip had said, especially that part of Nazareth. I mean, he knew that Philip was talking about the Messiah because Philip described him as the one of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. In short, 
Philip used this as a description to say, this is the one. This is the one about whom all of the scriptures state that he is the Messiah, that he is the one. All of the scriptures from Genesis all the way to Malachi. But then Philip got more specific. He says, Jesus of Nazareth. And that's the part that Philip or that Nathaniel had a problem with. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, he says? Now, we don't want to think that Philip, I'm sorry, that Nathaniel was dissing uh, Nazareth as some sort of a podunk town out of which no one great could come, especially someone as great as the Messiah. His problem with Nazareth, that that Jesus was from Nazareth, was that that wasn't in the Old Testament. That wasn't in the scripture, that that the Messiah would come from there. Bethlehem, sure, but but not Nazareth. And so how could the Messiah, the promised one, actually come from Nazareth? Now, Philip could have argued with his friend. He could have tried to convince him with astounding logic and amazing rationale that, that Jesus, despite being from Nazareth, was indeed the promised Messiah. But he didn't do that. And this is where those three little words come in. Come and see. No need to throw more proof at him. No need to try to remind him of what John, the baptizer, had said about Jesus. He, he simply says to Nathaniel, come and see. Why so simple an approach? Well, very simply, Philip believed. He had already listened to what the scriptures had said. He knew what the Old Testament said about the Messiah. He had listened to John, who was speaking on God's behalf as one of his prophets. He had heard what John had said, that he was the promised Messiah. And he had already responded positively to Jesus' call to follow him. But Philip was a believer. Philip had faith in Jesus, faith produced in him by the Holy Spirit working in his heart based on what Philip had already heard and seen. Philip trusted that, that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, the Savior, the one who was worthy of being followed. Come and see. Uh, have you found yourself in situations where those Three little words might be helpful. You know, that that relative that at one time believed, having been raised in the in the same church that you were, but then your paths diverged. You stayed in the church, still believing in Jesus, still holding on to that same faith that you had had since the time that you were baptized. But they, well, they they took a different path. They fell in love with and then married someone who was not a believer. And they didn't want to push their religion on their spouse. And so they just ended up drifting. They, they drifted away from what they had once held on to. And eventually they found themselves floating in a sea of unbelief, not really sure that, that there was a God anymore, much less Jesus. But then the the cancer diagnosis came and all of a sudden being in the middle of the ocean without a life preserver brought feelings of despair instead of freedom. They started scrambling, flailing around, looking for something solid to hold on to. And in their panic despair, they reach out to you. They ask how it is that you have been so rock solid in your life that, that it seems that whatever life and this world have thrown at you, that you have 
that you have stayed steady. And if you say those three little words, come and see. You point them to Jesus. You point them to the one who's always been there, the one who was there before the beginning, the one who is still their savior. Now, I'm not saying that those three little words are a magic formula. When Philip told Nathaniel, come and see, it wasn't like Nathaniel had this aha moment and just automatically believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But what did he do? He went and saw. I wonder if, as he and Philip were walking along, headed to Jesus, if Nathaniel maybe was doing a little bit of grumbling. I don't know why I decided to come with you, Philip. I mean, how in the world can this Jesus be the Messiah? He doesn't fit the bill. He's from Nazareth. But, but for now, I'll play along. I'll check it out for myself if it's going to make you happy. And then Jesus proves to Nathaniel that he's not just a mere man, not just a pretender who has managed to bamboozle a few people into, into being his followers. He says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And for Nathaniel, that was enough. He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel believed. He knew Jesus was his Messiah, the Savior, his Savior. And Jesus said there would be even more proof to come. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, this might sound a little bit strange to us, but really it's not that complicated. Jesus wasn't speaking in riddles. Think back to the Old Testament account of, of Jacob. When Jacob is out in the wilderness, he goes to sleep, he has this dream, and he sees this ladder that connects heaven and earth, and there are angels going up and down on that ladder. Do you remember that account? Well, Jesus is saying here that he is the ladder. He's the one that connects heaven and earth. He's the savior who's going to do everything necessary to, to bring about a reconnection of God and his people. In other words, when Jesus makes that statement about him ascending and descending between heaven and earth, he's saying he is the Messiah. And it's kind of interesting that right after this account, and in fact, it happens three days later, that John records Jesus' first public miracle, that the, the miracle of him changing water into wine at Cana. And you think about how many more miracles Jesus performed, how many more times that, that he would show Nathaniel and the rest of his disciples that, that he was truly the Messiah. So many miracles that by the time John is close to the end of his gospel, he writes, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Yes, there were more signs. There were more miracles that were recorded in the other gospels, more miracles overall. And Jesus didn't do all of these miracles simply as a show. He had a primary purpose, a primary goal in mind. He wanted people to believe in him, to trust in him when they came and saw who he was and, and what he could do. And that's reflected in what John said next about the miracles that he's recorded in his gospel. He says, but these, these miracles are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
come and see. That's what Jesus says. He says, come and see who I am and what I do for you. And when we go and see, when we listen to what Jesus says in his word, when we, when we have that water that's connected to his word poured over our heads, we believe, we trust. We have God, the Holy Spirit, overcoming all of our doubts and, and sins. And he makes us disciples. He makes us believers in Jesus, followers and students of the one who is the connection between earth and heaven. Jesus is that connection because he came to this earth as one of us. He took on our human flesh, dwelling with us as one of us, as the son of man, to, to restore us to be what we were originally created to be, sons and daughters of the king. Jesus is the connection between us and heaven because he took on our death. Think about it. Jesus is God. God, one of his attributes is that he is everlasting. He's eternal. He doesn't die. But Jesus did. He willingly went to the cross, not, not merely as an example of, of what true love is, but in love, he went to the cross to die so that, so that we don't have to. And when we come and see the cross, we believe in him. We trust in him as our loving savior, as our connection to heaven. Now, it may not always happen that everyone who comes to, to see Jesus will believe. I mean, think about in his day, there were many people that, that listened to Jesus, that came and saw him, but, but they rejected him. And consider again your relative that's, that's in despair, flailing around looking for something solid to hold on to. You tell them, come and see. Come and see Jesus. He is your savior. He is your solid rock, the one who's your connection to heaven, the one who came to this world to save you. Will they believe? Will they consider again everything that, that they once knew and believed about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection? Will they be brought to a restored faith, believing once again that Jesus is the son of God, the king of Israel, their king? Will they realize that, that Jesus has been there all along, that he never left them, but, but that they are the ones who left him, that they gradually walked away from their Savior instead of continuing to follow his voice? Will they realize that, that they're in their stubborn sinfulness, they had chased after all kinds of false gods and, and filled their lives with empty promises, all the while chasing chasing after their false dreams and selfish dreams while abandoning the one who could give them more than anything they could have dreamt of. Maybe. Maybe they'll be restored in their faith, the Holy Spirit rekindling in their heart what, what once was burning, the, the faith in Jesus as Savior. That's something that we have to leave in God's hands. We simply do what Philip said. We, we say, come and see. And please realize I'm not just pointing a finger at this make-believe relative as the example of a fallen believer. No, we can think of ourselves as that relative. Everything that I said about that relative, all those selfish, sinful thoughts, all those 
tendencies to go and do our own thing, go our own way. That's true for each one of us. That's how we are by nature on our own. We're, we're out in the middle of the ocean of, of doubt and despair, struggling to survive. But in his word, we hear those three little words, come and see. Jesus proves beyond any doubt that, that he is the world's savior. But he's not just the world's savior. He's not just the savior of Philip and Nathaniel and all the other early disciples. He is our savior. And every time we open his word, every time we go back to our baptism, thinking of, of that water pouring over our head, every time that we go and receive him in his supper, he says to us, come and see. Amen.